a screw just fell out of our table here, so if anybody would like to also buy a table, <laughs> see me after the church. You know, um, the world feels darker, feels like there's less light, and it feels like we're less at home in this world today than we've ever been. We were comfortable because we always just assumed America was a Christian nation. And America is showing itself not to be that way these days. So I'm always encouraged when I come in and I get to hear 300 voices still sing Hosanna. So thank you for just being here. It edifies me. You know, and you read on Facebook and you... You read through the news that seems like more and more people don't believe in God and more and more people resist Him. Here's 300 or something that don't. They don't resist Him. They do believe in Him. They are eager to do His will. They are eager to have their hearts purified. So don't be discouraged. This is why the writer of Hebrews said, don't forsake your assembly together. Even as you see that day approaching. Don't you see that day approaching? Where else should we be than in the house of God? You say, we're in the gym. You are the house of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you made them in different colors. Right now, Lord, the world thinks that you're on the side of a particular color. You're not on the side of a particular color. You're on the side of your son. And he that has the son has life. No matter what color he or she, no matter what gender they may have, he that has the son has life. And those that don't have the son don't have life, regardless of their color. We will not stand before you on that day and enter into your kingdom and enter into your eternal bliss because we have the right ethnicity or were made in the right color or had the right gender. But we will enter in if we have your son. I thank you for my beautiful, beautiful church that you've allowed me to be a part of. I thank you that you've taught us, Lord God, and that you teach to the world here that you are the answer to life's problems. That all of the disunity in this world can be summed up in the unity of faith in Jesus Christ. And we get to display that every Sunday, whether the world is looking or not. We get to display to the world that in Christ, there is no Greek. Or Jew. That in Christ there is no male or female. That in Christ there is no slave and no free. We are all free in Christ. Thank you that you took any kind of bragging and partiality out. None of us can say red, yellow, black, or white. None of us can say we, we've given you, Lord God, works with our hands, so be pleased with us. For it's not by works that we are saved. 
but it's a gift. Where is bragging? Where can we brag to say that we are God's people? Only in Jesus Christ. It is by grace that you saved us. It is a gift. None of us deserved it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it if we tried. But you gave us a gift. Holy Spirit, there are people here this morning that are darkened and their hearts are so foolish and so dead and so darkened right now to think that they can resist this gift. Why, Lord God, would anyone resist a gift? We come to your cross and lay at your feet every sin and you give us your kingdom. You will conform us to the image of your Son. We will live in eternity with you. We will inherit the kingdom and the earth and will be comforted and will see you as you are. And yet, Lord, people will leave this very gymnasium today resisting that gift to their condemnation. Holy Spirit, open eyes to see that this is a gift. Put their hands out to receive the gift. Don't let them be so foolish as to leave here thinking that they, Lord God, don't need your gift. Lord, there are people right now who need that gift. Holy Spirit, open those eyes. For the pure in heart will see you. Purify our hearts in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'm going to be a little contained this morning because I, I've got to be here. So bear with me. Every so often you'll turn on the news or you'll turn on the media. You'll turn on your computer and you'll see the news someone has spotted Jesus in their toast <laughs> or they've seen him at the bottom of their coffee mug or he was smeared in the cream cheese of their bagel you know what I'm talking about because it happens all the time and people claim that they've seen God they use this as evidence that God exists because they saw Jesus's face in their morning rye bread But God doesn't reveal himself to us in these tasty treats. He reveals himself to us by his creation, in his word, in his son, and in his people. It's absolutely amazing to me that people will look beyond all of those things. The beauty of creation to watch the ant work and know that no one ever taught the ant to work like that, but the ant just works like that. Because God has made the ant work like that. And to not say, I, I see God. To look at how people can in the face of grave danger, in the face of persecution, in the face of disease, and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. 
How someone can see that and not see God is beyond me. When Paul said that the invisible qualities of God have been clearly seen from what has been made, he was not talking about toasted rye bread. But he was talking about the works that only God does in creation, in his word, in his son, and in his church. This morning, I want to talk about how we might see God. Matthew 5, 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. First question we have to ask ourselves is this, what type of purity does God desire? So if there is a purity needed, it means that there must be impurity already. There must be some kind of filth or some kind of uncleanliness before God that has to be purified. And that's exactly where we find ourselves. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 and 11, the people of God, Israel, was about to see God. And they were about to have a conversation about to have a moment with God. But before they did that, God told Moses the following. Chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. He said this. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. God's not even coming in anything but a thick cloud, but even this simple altercation with the Lord, this simple presence of the Lord needs to be purified. He says, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and they may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. The people had to consecrate themselves for their encounter with God by simply washing the dirt and the stench from their clothes. They were going to be in the presence of purity. They were going to be in the presence of holiness. And in order to do that, they had to be clean. There's a man by the name of Sean Ellis. He's a man who lives with wolves. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He's a man who lives with wolves and loves wolves and lives in a wolf pack. But in order to be accepted into the pack, he has to do a couple of things. He has to look like them, he has to growl like them, and he has to smell like them in order to be accepted. And if he doesn't smell like them, they don't accept him. Now, I don't know about you, but if you told me I was going to go and fellowship with wolves, I would do whatever it took to make sure they didn't kill me in their presence, right? I would want to be like they wanted me to be. So what Sean does in order to be in the presence of these wolves is he refrains from bathing. 
Now, the greatest miracle is that he's married. And I don't know about you, but if I walk in from the gym, my wife doesn't want anything to do with me. Because I'm unclean, I'm filthy. But think about this for just a moment. If you have to be filthy to be with animals, how much more pure do you have to be if you're going to be in the presence of God? Before the people were going to be in the presence of God, they had to be clean. It is a holy thing to be in the presence of God, and God will not tolerate unholiness. When Moses heard a voice come from a burning bush, he was warned to take off of his sandals because the ground he was standing on was holy. If we're going to be in the presence of God, we must be clean. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach this. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21. Peter, speaking about how we used to be impure, how we used to be unclean, how we used to be dirty, says this, because the formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which now corresponds to this, now saves you. Peter is saying something about cleansing and water at this point. It's this that God cleanses those who are sinful and he does so with water. In the Old Testament he used the flood to cleanse the world of its sin. And Peter says now he uses baptism as an example of the cleansing he must do to our hearts. Listen to what he says. Baptism which corresponds to this, that is the cleansing that happened in the days of Noah through the flood, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In baptism, we say to the world, we demonstrate through a symbol and not a sign. You know, a stop sign is red and it says the word stop. It's a sign, it's not a symbol of stopping. In fact, when a bull looks at red, what does he do? He goes. The testosterone in him says go, it's a sign. So it's not a symbol. But baptism is a symbol in that it expresses an internal reality. So that our cleansing is demonstrated, what is going on in our heart, the cleansing of our hearts is demonstrated in a baptism that we have died with Christ and have been raised and cleansed in Him. 
turn, if you would, really quickly to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. The writer of Hebrews explains it this way. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, listen to all the imagery of, of cleansing, cleansing with blood, cleansing with sprinkling, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Baptism, that is that water across the street or in the ocean, that water does not save you. But it symbolizes that you have been saved by the sprinkling blood of Christ. The water symbolizes, the cleansing always symbolizes an internal reality. Namely, that if we are going to be in the presence of God, we must be purified from the inside out. Peter and the prophets both tell us that true purity before God is not by the removal of dirt in a baptismal pool. You see all these religions around the world, they do so many external things, but external things are not going to impress God. And in fact, they never have. Listen to what Jeremiah 2.22 says. Jeremiah 2.22. God says this through the prophet. Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. You can be as clean and as baptized and as sprinkled outside as you want to be, but if your heart has not been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are not clean enough to be in the presence of God. No matter whether you were, when you were a baby, sprinkled, or whether when you were an adult you were dunked, the question is whether or not that speaks to a reality that is not seen, the cleansing of your heart. So Jesus says this, blessed are the pure in heart. Things can be clean on the outside and yet on the inside be full of dirt, can't they? When I worked at Edwin Watts, Edwin Watts is a golf shop. Golf clubs are very expensive in case you, you don't know. Um, they're, they're just very expensive. And people would come in with knockoff golf clubs. So the big brands were Ping and Callaway and TaylorMade and they would come in with a big club and on the outside it looked just like the Ping golf club that I sold for $300. And they would come in and it would have wrap on it and they'd say, someone gave this to me as a gift, 
can I trade it in here at your store? And after we had taken in about five or six of them and didn't know that they were faulty on the inside, we had found out that there was a ring of people who were coming in with fake knockoff clubs and were trying to trade them in for the real thing. Because they knew what we didn't know. They looked good on the outside, but on the inside, they were dirty. They were corrupted. You see, what difference does it make, especially in golf, but especially in reality and in our spiritual lives, what difference does it make if it looks like the thing on the outside, but on the inside, it's corrupt? Jesus taught this truth in Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verses 23, or 25 through 28. The Pharisees were the perceived righteous people of the day. They were considered to be the religious people of the day. People, when they want to compliment you, lost people, when they want to compliment you, they'll say, oh, you're very spiritual. We know you do the spiritual things, right? You do all of the outward things. You pray, you go to church, you're nice, you tithe, you don't cuss. Not too much, at least. And they say, oh, you're very spiritual. The Pharisees were that group. They were very spiritual on the outside, but Jesus knew something about their inside. Listen to what he says. Verse 25. Excuse me. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Hypocrite meant someone who was a play actor. In, in ancient Greece, they would put on a, a fake mask and they would, it would be like a smile or a frown and a devil's mask and they, they would put on a mask but on the inside that's not who they really were so they used the word hypocrite. Jesus uses this word, he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. If a Gentile's shadow simply fell on a Pharisee, they would go and they would do ritual cleaning. They would go into the baths and wash the, the dirt of the Gentile sinner off of it. And Jesus says, you hypocrites. You go and you bathe yourself when someone's shadow falls on you, but on the inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. To further declare their unrighteousness, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. True religion 
is a religion in the heart that purifies itself from within so that the outside might also be clean. When we lived in Kentucky, they have one of the most beautiful cemeteries in all the world. You go into this cemetery, I forgot the name of it, but when you go in, there is just all kinds of beautiful, beautiful tombstones. And you, you have to wonder how much the family spent on some of them. Beautiful tombs, all to put nothing but dead bones in. And I think about it. How much money was spent, how much money was saved to preserve dead bones? And how little time was spent on how to preserve an eternal soul. See, many of those people in that cemetery are unbelievers. Jesus says this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, in what way then will we see God? We have to have a pure heart. We have to make sure that our inside is pure. Well, the Bible tells us that we, we can't see the Father. No one can see God, the Father, physically. He is a spirit. He is without physical dimensions. He is too holy. The Bible says He dwells in unapproachable light. When Moses went before God, he had to wear a veil over his face. The, the Israelites had to turn away their backs to God so that He might pass before them because He is too holy. But Jesus says something mysterious here. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How will we see God? In what way would we see Him? Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, prophesied of a day when men would see God. Here's what the psalmist writes. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? The idea is the mount of the holy place. And who shall stand in his holy place? In other words, who is going to be in the presence of the Lord? So we have these verses that say we, we cannot see God. We can't see him because he is spirit. He is without body. He is too holy. And yet David still asks the question and then he answers it in a positive way. Listen to what he says. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. David prophesied of a day when men would see God. John tells us of this special day in John chapter 14. Jesus is with his disciples. And he teaches them that if they believe in God, believe also in Him. Thomas asked, Yes, Lord, we see you, but we do not know. Show us then. We, we don't know who. We know you, Lord, but we don't know the Father. And Jesus says to Thomas, 
Thomas says, I, we don't know the way to see this God that you're telling us to go and see. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. Jesus says, I'm going to go to the Father. We don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Says Thomas. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Before Christians were called Christians, they were called the way because they had followed Jesus, the way. One of the greatest heresies of our day is that the world tells us that we're all on a mountain, we're all going to God, we're just taking different ways. And Thomas, in his candor, asked this question that all of us should be asking about religion. Which one is the right way? There aren't many ways. I mean, one of the truths about pluralistic religion is that they can all, all religions can all be false, but they can't all be true. It is impossible for them to say contradictory things and both be true. It cannot be the case that Jesus says, I'm the only way, and for another religion to say, no, there's another way, and both of those to be true. Now, they can both be false, but enough with all this business of them all being true. That is foolishness. It is logically impossible. It is either Jesus is right or Jesus is wrong, but there is no he's right and wrong. Either he is the way or he's not the way. Now we have to make up our minds. Jesus says to Thomas, Thomas, you know the way. I am the way. Bible tell right now we're learning that so many people are leaving the church because they don't like this exclusivity of Jesus but what is more loving than telling the lost and dying world there is no other way if there were another way other than Jesus it would just be easy to say there are other ways we could be friends with everyone but Jesus has not sent us in to be friends of everyone. He has sent us in to bring peace. And the only way we bring that peace is by bringing the truth. And the truth is, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no woman, no child, no white, no black, no straight, no gay, no transgender enters but through that narrow gate. You say, that's not very loving. I'm saying to you, that is the most loving thing I can tell you. 
when my children come into the kitchen and I'm cooking food. They don't like it when they're about to put their hand on that stove and I tell them, no! And they cry and they throw themselves on the floor. They want it their way. They want it to touch. And I said, no, you can't touch that. If you do, you're going to burn yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. And they throw a fit. And that's the world today. No! Muhammad cannot save you. Yes, there is truth. No, Buddha does not have the way. No, that is sin. That is not righteousness. And the world hates us because we tell the truth. But better that you tell the truth and people enter by that narrow gate angry than that their souls be cast into hell. Jesus said, I am the way. Christian, there's no other option for you. If you follow Jesus, Jesus says, I am the way, the only way. There is no other way. I am the truth, the only truth. There is no other truth. And if you want to have righteousness, if you want to see God, you want to know the answer to the question, which religion is true? Know me. Then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Philip, have I been with you that long? And you still do not know me, Philip? Thomas wanted to know the way. Philip agreed that Jesus was the way. And he had been walking with Jesus for some time, but still didn't fully grasp just who Jesus was. And Philip says, okay, Jesus, you're the way. But now show us the Father, and that is enough for us. And Jesus says, have you been with me so long, Philip? Have you been walking with Jesus so long, believer, and you don't know him? I am shocked at the contradictory statistics of people who claim to be Christian, yet their lives look nothing like Jesus. They look nothing like the holiness that the Father demands. Have I been with you so long, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on accounts of the works themselves. No one could deny that the Father was in the Son by the great works that the Son did. None greater than the resurrection of his own flesh. And we, here, 
on this Sunday are testifying to the world that we believe the greatest work God has ever done was that the Father raised the Son and we celebrate that resurrection today. First John 3, 1 through 3 says this. Turn with me if you would. First John 3, 1 through 3. Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The only way that we see God is to have a pure heart. And the only way that we shall ever see Him is to see His Son, so that we may know that those who don't see His Son as the way, and those who don't see the Son as the Father, have not seen God. And here's what John says. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? If you see that Jesus is the way this morning, it is by the love that the Father has given to you. See what kind of love the Father has given to us in His Son, by His Spirit, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us, that is the children of God, is that they did not know Him. The world is spiritually blind to Jesus and since they are spiritually blinded to Jesus, they cannot have the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. To have the Son is to have the Father. And he that does not have the Father has neither the Son nor the Father. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is and then here's the verse that I want us to think about as we leave this morning and everyone who thus hopes in him does what purifies himself as he is pure Church, do you want the world to see God? Wife, do you want your unbelieving husband to see God? Unbelieving husband or unbelieving wife, do you? Husband, do you want your unbelieving wife to see God? Parents, do you want your unbelieving children to see God? Then purify yourself as He is pure. In this life, we may see God if we see His Son. But we live in the sanctification of our purifying our hearts daily so that when we see Him in eternity, 
we might be like him and we might see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray. God, purify our hearts in the knowledge that Jesus is Lord. Lord, you told us in your word this morning in Hebrews that the only way these hearts that you require, you require friendliness in your presence, you require purity in your presence, and the writer of Hebrews has told us that the only way that we might be in your presence, that we might be clean and pure, is